All right. Uh, welcome to another edition of uh, the Bluminati podcast. Um, we'll get into the the football stuff and all the the funny and, and uh, stupid stuff. Yeah, I think you guys saw that Seth and Steve are here, but I, we'll get to the normal things here in a second. Just wanted to um, kind of touch on uh, the, the news over the weekend. Uh, former USF women's basketball player uh, Nina Pahokey uh, tragically uh, died by suicide over the weekend uh, in Wisconsin. She was a morning news anchor up there for the local ABC affiliate. Um, and she was, she was 27. Um, and I saw a, a tweet from her mother, um, who said that, you know, Nina was, she was going to therapy. She was getting help for her mental health things and it just wasn't enough. And I think not enough in America has, um, been done to combat mental illness and mental health crises uh, just across the board. I know I've struggled with it, um, but I mean, she's 27 years old and it, it's just kind of terrible. I, when I saw the news, uh, oh, I guess yesterday on Monday, um, it just, it kind of, it kind of shook me a little bit more than I, maybe I was thinking. I, we never really interacted. I wasn't covering USF when she was playing, but I did have a class with her at USF. And I think maybe that's why it kind of struck home with me a little bit more. Um, she, she was like the first student athlete that I ever interacted with, like not, you know, interviewing. It was like, Oh wow. There's a, a woman's basketball player in my class. That's pretty cool. And she always had this great smile. Um, kind of had a great rapport with the the professor, um, Dr. Pierce, uh, in the mat, in the mass comm building. And just got, it, it was, um, it was kind of gut wrenching. And, and then seeing, uh, head coach Jose Fernandez's press conference on, on Tuesday discussing her and it, it, it sucked. I, I know Jose, you know, pretty well. And it, it sucks to see what he's going through. I, I feel terrible for her and her family. Um, she had just gotten engaged in July. So you think things are going well and it's, you know, kind of a facade. And I just kind of want to implore everybody listening um, and watching to check on your friends, check on your family. Um, When they say, yeah, you know, everything's fine. Actually, you know, ask them about themselves. Are you really fine? You're just saying that. And uh, I think a lot, I'm guilty of it. I'll say yeah, I'm fine. Just kind of keep it moving. And sometimes people just need to unload their weight without um, judgment or anything like that. And it, I, I want to implore everybody if if I can reach one person that you are loved, you it it can get better. Um, That's not the, you will be greatly missed. Don't uh, don't be rash with your with anything like that. Um, it's it can it can be only temporary. Um, if you do have those thoughts, nine eight eight is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Please reach out, talk to someone, talk to anyone, reach out to us. I mean, we're not by all means we are not professionals, but we will listen and we will hear you and. Uh, if this helps literally one person, that's fine with me, but I wanted to at least start to tonight's show kind of with that. And, uh, you know, you know, had a 
she had some, a lot of traumatic events that happened. Her high school boyfriend died of brain cancer at a young age. Her mother's battling cancer. She's had a lot of stuff kind of go wrong. And I think it just kind of piled up and I feel so terrible for her and her, her sisters and assistant basketball coach at Southern Miss, uh, Caitlin. Um, it, it just, you know, she said it best. I think she spoke to Joey Knight at the um, Tempe times that, you know, I think she put on the facade uh, and, and helped anybody that she could probably at, at the detriment of herself and uh, just reach out to anybody. I promise you, you have people who love you and care about you and want the best for you. Just reach out to them and reach out to your friends. Just at truly care. Um, there's enough crap going on um, that you don't need. You can talk to talk to someone. And even if it's just to say, Hey, this has been really bothering me. I've been struggling. It's fine. It's okay. It's, it's literally, and it's so cliche, but it's literally okay to not be okay. I think that's the stigma, especially with athletes because they have to be so tough and so on all the time. It's, um, there's a definite stigma behind the mental illness. And I mean, it's, it's been a very prevalent over the last few years uh, in sports with athletes being depressed and taking their own lives. And I I just hope that her family finds peace. There's a GoFundMe um, that started. I think it has a little over $13,000. We'll post it uh, on Twitter and uh, we'll, we'll post it in the story uh, in bed. Um, just to kind of help offset the, the funeral costs and everything for her family. So make sure to look out for that. And um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to get that out of the way. And um, then we can, let's kind of just maybe not as hard of a pivot as uh, maybe the press conference on Tuesday for women's basketball, but uh, let's, kind of, I guess, kind of get into game week. I'll bring in uh, Seth and Steak. Um Hey fellas, I appreciate you giving me some a few minutes to kind of discuss that. It 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 really kind of shook me a little bit. So um I appreciate that. And we'll we'll kind of you know if you guys have any thoughts, please by all means. I just want to be the kind of the one to address it. And if you guys have anything, um I know Steve, you've been kind of open with anxiety over the last few months. And um just if you guys have anything, please feel free to share. No, you, you hit the nail on the head with it. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, communicating and talking is, is the most important part. And, you know, there, there are times where it's, it's, it's tough to talk and it's tough to have those conversations. You know, there are times you kind of just want to let it all, you know, run by the wayside and, you know, hope it all kind of ends. And I, you know, I've been there, I I've, I've done years of therapy, done years of, you know, trying to find a better way for myself and, you know, people seem happy go lucky all the time, but deep down they can be hurting too. So the biggest thing, you know, you talk to your friends, talk to your family, you know, there's no, there's no shame in, you know, asking for help. Everyone kind of wants to be self-made and self uh, righteous through it all. But, you know, when it comes down to it, everyone kind of can use a pick up every once in a while. Yeah. I I mean, humans weren't meant to live life alone. It's tough. You got to reach out to community and then those around you. And that's how we've been living for pretty much our entire existence. So it's not a weakness to reach out and ask for help. And I think it underlies the importance of empathy just because somebody like Steve said, seems happy go lucky. Well, 
doesn't mean you shouldn't treat them. Uh, you should treat them poorly. Or I, I think it's good to treat everybody with respect, have empathy for other people, because despite what may be going on on the outside of their the, the kind of veneer they're holding up, they could be dealing with some issues internally. So I think uh, more empathy is never a bad thing and would probably make the world a little bit better. I agree. And uh, on, on that note, it will go to the kind of the reg- regularly scheduled podcast. Um, uh, the, the US, I mean, this is so like if this was like a legitimate podcast, commercial break and then come back to it. So pretend that there was actually like time in between this and actual football. Con- I can I can throw the 30 second video in real quick and then, and then stop. <laughs> it. No, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll... OK, there we go. That's two seconds. <laughs> It's a clean break. There we go. Um, so South Florida Bulls start the 2022 season on Saturday, September 3rd versus BYU at 4 p.m. on ESPNU. It's scheduled to be hot. Could rain. Bulls upset. I mean, let's what what are we uh, anticipating? Uh, you know, I think we've kind of talked about what this team can be, can't be kind of ad nauseum over the last month and a half, two months, especially as fall camp kind of kicked off. You get a new starting quarterback. The game's here. Do we feel better, worse as we creep toward game week? Uh, Seth, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I, it's still, I think, with how much turnover has happened on the roster every year, and especially turnover at quarterback, it's really hard to kind of know what to expect. I think you're expecting improvement. How much it's going to be hard to tell until we actually see the team on the field. But uh, that's kind of what I'm I'm expecting improvement. So that may mean scoring points would be improvement. Uh, but I'm I'm expecting a little bit more than just that. Um, but you know, a win, I, I think that's a lot to expect in this first game. BYU is a really good team, but there are some here. I've got, let me see if I can throw this up on the screen here. I don't know if you guys saw this earlier today. Cooper Patagna, who is like the head of scouting for 24-7 sports, who used to work in the football building for, I think, Washington, LSU, is like a personnel guy, is upset of the week. Is US Gary Bohannon and USF over BYU. So pretty good opinion there. Guy that's kind of run scouting for all 24-7 been around a lot of football players and he really likes Bohane. And so that's fine. I mean, who, who doesn't except for maybe Timmy McLean and his dad. Yeah. There's two, there's at least two people at minimum. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what, what are you, I, I mean, you, you're always the eternal optimist here on, on the blue Naughty podcast. As we creep closer, are you coming back towards reality? Or are you still, are, where, where are you leaning right now? We'll, we'll dig into the numbers as we get deeper. I'm an absolute teeter totter every like 35 minutes about this game. Cause there are times where I'm like, you know, thinking about last year and thinking, yeah, if, if only they had a little bit of a, of a stringent defense, if only they had a little bit better quarterback play, you know, they, they would have probably won that game last year. <clears throat> and then, you know, I think, Oh, we're on paper supposed to have a better defense. And by all metrics, we upgrade a quarterback, you know, that's a pretty good sign. And then I think, oh, BYU also upgraded at the same time. You know, they, they've added a few key pieces here and there. I, I will teeter back and forth about this game, you know, for basically up until kickoff. Um, well, for me, uh, 
not my wedding, but I will be at a wedding. So I will actually not be watching any of this game. So I'm expecting to come back uh, to a very happy fan base that's all united, uh, having a good time and being friendly towards each other. <clears throat> and uh, that's, you know, my expectations are there that we're all going to be super cordial with each other. Now, if they win, are you allowed to watch any more games this year? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll... Uh, that's t- I'll, I'll cancel that's t- cancel the credential. I'll just you know sit at sit at the parking lot outside and and you know hear the sounds but not uh, not watch. We can ceremonially ceremonially set the credential on fire out in the parking lot. <laughs> give it a give it a Viking funeral. Throw it off the top of Ray J and let it fall down on Dale Mabry. There you go. That's not so terrible. That's not a terrible idea. Um, uh, so for for me, it kind of boils that, like Steve, you mentioned that like this BYU team's uh, pretty talented. Um, they returned, I think, the third most production uh, this season, and then they added a, a really good running back from from Cal. Uh, their offensive line got like a, a first round draft pick uh, at left tackle. Uh, Jeff Scott mentioned he's like six seven. 340 pounds and they're all road graders uh, up front. And it's, uh, man, it, it's going to, it's going to be tough sledding. And I, I think that the USF defensive line is going to be exposed. Uh, if there's actual improvement or, uh, is this, uh, just a, a blip on the radar? Um, but it, th- that game's going to be one, one or lost in the trenches. Like at, I mean, of all the cliches that are cliche, it's literally that. Like the game's <laughs> one at the line of scrimmage, but it, truly, if USF can stop the run or at least contain it, I think they have a better shot. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, BYU has their top two wide receivers in, in Gunnar Romney and, and uh, oh my gosh, I had written it Puka down. Nakua. Puka Nakua. Uh, gosh, man, I am so bad at names. Um, if they're going to be available, uh, head coach Kalani Sataki said uh, on Tuesday to reporters that, or excuse me, on Monday that they'll know more Wednesday about their status. He said no one's lost for the season, but it's still kind of up in the air. I mean, we'll, we'll see if that's a ma- that's a major loss if both of them are are out because they lit USF up last year. Uh, they combined for nine catches, two hundred. 21 yards, I believe, and a touchdown. Uh, I think Gunnar Romney had like three, four-yard catches in that game. It felt like, like he he lit them up, uh, and that's really how USF dug themselves into that massive hole in 2021. They gave up the big plays early in the first quarter, where went down 21 nothing, and had to claw their way back. They did a decent job, and, and you know you lose by one score, but you, you you dug yourself too much of a hole with a freshman quarterback on the road for the first time. It, it, it's tough. It's tough sledding uh, after that. Yeah, and that BYU team last year, and and we'll see when we look at. Yeah, I can. Do you want me to go ahead and throw up Parker's uh, the stats here? Their offense was really good all of last year, and that's with Jaron Hall being hurt, the guys being hurt, but they were really good, kind of all over defensively they were not great and we saw that in the usf game usf was able to to go down and score on them and make it a one score game there at the end but this is the matchup a lot of this obviously based on last year some of it's based on uh the rosters this year but you know it i think it's the usf side's kind of 
you can kind of take it or leave it a little bit because I think the defense is obviously going to look totally different. The offense is going to look totally different with a new quarterback. Um, and then BYU's returning a bunch of guys on defense. So you're thinking they probably get a little bit better defensively, but the offense is where they return almost everybody. So you'd imagine they're going to be pretty good on offense regardless of what USF looks like on offense or defense. So the BYU offense comes in. I think they're going to be pretty good. And you'll know early this year what you have in the defense. If your defense plays pretty well in this game, I think you feel really confident going into your conference slate that, hey, this defense is going to be good enough to win right. some games in conference. Uh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, what BYU is, what, a 10-11 win team last season? I think they only lost twice, right, to Baylor and their bowl game, I think? Yeah, I believe they went undefeated in the Pac-12 last year. They won like four or five games. Yeah, right. Yeah, they were, I think, the unofficial uh, Pac-12 champion. Um, And... Really, they just plug in place a different running back in it, like all the skill position. Like, I think Jaron Hall's due for a big season if he can stay healthy. I think, I think that's his actual full name. It's his birth name. It's Jaron Hall if he can stay healthy. Uh, it, that's really what it boils down to. I mean, his first start uh, for BYU was versus USF in, in 2019. He left with a concussion after replacing uh, the Mormon Menzel and Zach Wilson. So if he can stay healthy, he missed last year's game due to injury, uh, but the, the other Romney still lit them up. So who, who, who knows, but I think, I think he can pop off. Uh, if USF can contain the running game, keep Jaron Hall uh, at least semi uncomfortable. Uh, without offensive line, I think he'll be all right. And he'll be, and Jaron Hall will be a part of that running game too. He's an athletic guy that they'll use in the running game, and they used him quite a bit uh, in their game against Utah last year where they uh, beat Utah at home. So he, he's going to be a guy that's – he's a multifaceted player. you got to watch him not only throwing, but he can run too. Right. Steve, what are you, I mean, what are you looking for, you know, outside of maybe the offensive, defensive line? Or is there something that – Maybe uh, maybe the secondary key to uh, maybe USFU, they're keeping it close, maybe not winning because I think BYU is very talented, but at least keeping it close and, and competitive and getting the USF, you know, in the step in the right direction as we kind of hit uh, the ground running. You know, phenomenal segue. Uh, you know, the secondary thing to look at here is going to be the secondary. Um, you know, I think uh, a, a quite overlooked injury right now, at least going into this game, is um, BYU, I think is their starting safety, Chaz Ayu, is out for the entire season. And I, he's pretty good. He was probably one of their one of their leading defenders last year, at least in that secondary. So not is having... That still in college? Right, yeah. <laughs> Somehow, some way, he's still there. So not having him, uh, you know, playing in that game is, is kind of key. Uh, at least from glossing it over, they have a pretty experienced secondary, but they're throwing a young guy at, at nickel. Um, and I think his name's Jacob Robinson, if I remember correctly. So you, you got a, a pretty all right secondary. It struggled at times last year. And from what I've been kind of reading uh, uh, along the uh, you know, workouts and everything was, you know, the secondary is going to be kind of the key of BYU season this year. If they can play well, um, you know, they'll probably be in games because the defensive line, while, you know, they're, they're very pungent, you know, not too terribly impressive on paper. They have solid linebacking core, but that secondary is going to be what's going to either, you know, keep BYU, uh, you know, steadily keeping USF at bay or it allow USF to creep back in because 
these are all brand new, essentially brand new pieces that the secondary has to face uh, this year. You know, new quarterback, very experienced quarterback that has experience with that secondary, and then some new wide receivers to play with as well. So on BYU side of things, you know, if they're able to contain Gary and you know not let up the deep ball, you know that might that might be the difference maker. And then on the other side, USF needs desperately to have a revamp secondary. You know, at times they played extremely well and forced turnovers, and then on other times, you know, they're looking lost and looking at each other, wondering whether it's blown coverage. So you, you got to hope that you know Bob Shoup is able to recognize. You know, they have a really good offensive line. You're going to have to get to the quarterback and make Jaron Hall uncomfortable. You cannot leave our you know DBs hung out to dry for four to five seconds like they had last year. Well, well, this is where the the those two injuries at receiver become really important because if I'm Bob Shoup and those guys are out, all right, let's play. Let's just play a lot of man coverage and load up the box and see if our can our one and two corner cover their three and four receiver. You'd hope they could and play man and load up the box and try to stop the run. And that'll help a little bit on those play action shots too, where you don't have to worry so much about, uh, you know, a safety jumping up to fit the run. And then you get a guy behind his head because he's supposed to be the deep half player or deep third or middle third player. Right now, if you're playing man coverage, okay, well he comes up, he can come up and fit the run and you're still playing man on those receivers out there. So that, that will be, those injuries could really change. Um, maybe how USF wants to play them because it would be, I think, advantageous to play a little bit more man coverage if you feel good with your, if you feel good with your with your defensive backs there because you're facing the kind of second string receiver group. And from what I've seen from or from what I've heard and and read about USF's defense, at least as far as the spring and you know this fall camp goes, is they're being creative. Well, you can only be as creative as eleven you know players on defense is but you they've been getting some creative blitzing in there and i think one key thing that i've noted when looking at the stats from like scrimmages and everything was non-defensive line players have been getting some sacks in in spring and these are touch sacks these are you know take them for what you will but that's a little bit more reassuring to me when i see like amaris brown was able to get a sack as a corner you know Barring, we don't know if it was against ones or twos or whoever, but at least they're sending different looks besides sending three, occasionally sending a Dwayne Boyles on the outside or something like that. You know, I, I think Shoup's aggressive style of defense might catch BYU off guard a little bit, at least at first. And, and I, it would be interesting to see. Uh, the one thing to watch as you're watching the game, if you're in the stands or on TV, see if USF switches up their front a bunch. See if they start with like a forefront and then go to where it looks almost like a five front with Boyles walked up on the edge and more linebackers in the game than normal. So maybe you don't see the four two five. Maybe it's more like a fourth, like a, a traditional four three look, and Boyles walks up, so it looks like a five man front, and then you have you know Gordon and Greer back there, or, or you know whatever combination of guys they want to put back there. I'll be interested. That that'll be one thing I'll be watching for. They're going to switch up the fronts if BYU comes out in a bunch of multiple tight end stuff because they're down two receivers. If they do that, then you may see USF where everyone's thinking, all right, it's a four, two, five nickel, nickel looking team. You may seem to come out more like a four, three look and get, get into some interesting odd front stuff and try to, and try to mess up the zone game a little bit that way. 
So that'll be kind of what I'm watching for defensively. And then on the other side of the ball, I, I think you want to see how do they spread the ball around this year? Is it, uh, you know, what, what's, what are the differences between last year's offense and this year's besides just the quarterback? Are they going to make sure, are they going to manufacture touches for people? It seems like that's what they want to do. So how are they going to get Weaver touches? How are they going to get Jimmy Horn touches? How are they going to get the running backs touches in space? How are they going to do that? That'll be kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, schematically on both sides of the ball. And I think it should be really interesting to watch them operate with the new coordinators. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, I I wrote a hot take Tuesday today. I think it's pretty good segue into uh, this as a, maybe as a whole kind of holistic kind of approach to what the offense could look like. Uh, USF is one of six FBS teams to never have had a receiver uh, have uh, over a thousand yards in a single season. Um, they are joined by Army, triple option, uh, Navy, C Army, uh, Charlotte, Texas State, and Georgia Southern. Um, C Army and Navy. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Texas, uh, Texas State, Charlotte, and uh, Georgia Southern have, compla- have played a combined 25 years of FBS football. So... Uh, Compared that to 23-ish, I think, 22-ish uh, for USF. It, it just seems like uh, it just seems like it's never going to happen. It, you know, you, you've had DeAndre Rubin couldn't do it. Marquez Valdez-Scaling, who is an NFL player, couldn't do it. Rodney Adams was very, very fast, couldn't do it. Tyree McCants, Alex Mutt, none of them. None of them could do it. Uh, so I, I don't see it ever happening again. I don't think it's ever going to happen at USF. Uh, of the six teams that haven't had it, they're third. They're, so Marquez Valdez-Scantling's uh, 879 yards in 2017 is third among the six for highest yards in a season. Uh, they've got, a, uh, I think, Army, I think, has like one for like 937 or something like that. Uh, yeah, even Ruben Gonzalez didn't do it. You know, Deontay Welsh didn't do it. Um, you know, Lindsey Lamar, who we'll see next week, didn't do it. So it, who on this, you know, where where's the 1,000-yard receiver at? I think I think Jimmy Horn probably has the best shot at doing it, but it's still not going to happen. I think there's too many options. I don't know if they're going to – they'll feed their guys. You know, we've talked – Seth, you've talked about it. Uh, Trigget likes to feed his guys. And he'll he'll they'll get numbers. Will they reach a thousand yards? That's really up for debate, especially with Gary saying my my personal goals are like throw for two thousand yards, rush for a thousand. So I I don't see it happening. No, and I I think this is the most guys slash dudes Trickett has ever had. So it's going to be tougher to spread the ball to just focus the ball on one guy because he's got a bunch of them. So right. I don't. I would not imagine this. If they have a thousand yard receiver, they're probably going to a bowl game because I would imagine going to a natty. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) we're throwing a parade at that point. I mean, just like I think it was just like last season or twenty twenty. Like in theory, if they run the table, you'd beat BYU, you'd beat Louisville, you'd beat Florida, and then oh, the schedule schedule sets up, yeah. You got, I mean, why not? I mean, if you run the table, why not be in the, the next uh, Cincinnati? I mean, it's not going to happen, but they do. I, Cincinnati's got a good claim this year. They got Arkansas on the road. If they win that one, that would be t- that'd be a good one. But 
uh, USF would have would be BYU at home, then Florida on the road, and Louisville on the road, which I think Louisville will probably be a top 25 team. Florida could end up being one by the end of the year, maybe. So, and BYU probably will be. So, look at us. And you'd be Cincinnati on the road. Already talking ourselves Central into it. Florida. Florida. Yeah, it's, the path is there. The game, the game needs to get here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> there's a path. There, there's a path. That's that's what's going to be aggregated by uh, the guys in Oviedo right there. Yes, they're going to win. They're going to win the national championship this year and get an invite into the ACC at halftime while they're up thirty-five <laughs> to nothing. Unprofessional podcast claims USF will go undefeated. That's right. Jeez, Louise. Um, so to answer your question, Jossie, no, I do not want to see prevent in the first quarter. I'll, I'll never. Uh, if I never see prevent defense again, it'll be too soon. Uh, it's. I mean, that's just the bane of. I think every college football fan and football fan in general's uh, just life. This is an anti. This is an anti-prevent pod. Oh, anti-prevent always. Do what got you there. That's why I got three kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, you're you're just attack. You attack the day. You seize the moment. I get it. Yeah. Going from the family friendly show last <laughs> night, we, we've switched. I, I've been I've been pretty uh pretty on my best behavior over here, Seth. And you're the one that's getting the yeah getting that. I, I think that's it. you. I think that's uh, innocent. To quote uh, Mr. 941 himself, Willie Taggart, you attack the day with an enthusiasm uh, unknown to mankind. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So let's let's talk about the, the line. I think we had it up. Um, I think it was on that one. Was it on the side of war one? He had it 12 and a half. It's been all, it's been kind of all over the place. Yeah. We, we've seen it. 11 and a half um, up to 12 ish. Um, what's we had interesting a flat is 12 yesterday. What's interesting is that the, the uncertainty of the wide receivers really hasn't affected the line much. Um, but also like how many people are actually betting on USF BYU? And if you are seek help. Yeah. Colin. Uh, Take the over. All right. Um, <laughs> BYU minus 12 right now, minus 110 to both sides. The over-under is 58, minus 115 to the over, minus 105 to the under. USF on the money line is plus 330. BYU is not more talented than Florida. No. No. Absolutely no. not. B, what's funny about BYU is they they're similar somewhat to um, 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 like a military academy team or, or one of the one of the academies, and that their talent numbers are always pretty low. Like just in terms of pure talent, like roster, high school recruiting rating mm-hmm. talent, USF's higher than BYU. But BYU's got that the mission stuff and some of that other stuff where guys come in when they're kind of older and more mature. They have a 27 year old starting safety. <laughs> like he's a little go. bit more mature. Yeah. So they're the, the, I don't know if the talent number always captures what they have. It doesn't seem to, because it was the same way last year where they, they USF technically had the more talented team based on high school talent rankings, but uh, BYU had, just yeah. obviously had a 10 one year that 10, 10 or 11 one season the year before and was again a really good team last year. So it's kind of hard to gauge their talent. But if you're looking at just like the team talent composite, 
No, Florida's like a top 10 team. BYU is like 80. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and USF's like in the six, the high 60s now. Or, yeah. Um, I, I think I just got touched on it Tuesday in his press conference that of all the years where maybe the age difference doesn't matter, it's probably this year, maybe mm-hmm. next year, uh, where, you know, the left side of USF starting offensive line are six year seniors. Um, so they're 23, 24, 25, maybe. Uh, so it, that doesn't really, um, hold much weight this year and other years when USF maybe has, you know, a couple of freshman offensive linemen, then yeah, we'll absolutely say that. But I think this year, I think they're just going to be out talented, um, up front on both sides of the ball. Uh, I I really don't think USF has a, has a shot to win unless something just absolutely insane. Epic Jaron Hall, like cramps up and, uh, just the, the running back, goes to shambles the, the left tackle is like you know what i can't stand the heat it's a little too hot i'm just gonna i'm not gonna go like they're they're, re, they're a reason why a lot of people think they'll end the season ranked in the top 15 this is a very very talented roster you're gonna have to you're we, we preached it last year when usf was horrible you're gonna have to play a perfect game against a really good team to beat them and there has been no indication throughout the history of USF football during the Jeff Scott era that they are capable of doing that. So until they do so, eh, I've got questions. Yeah, that makes that makes the it's a tough at on its face. You feel like 12 is a ton of points that, oh, USF's going to cover 12. But you're almost at this point kind of like, all right, I want to see it happen first before I go out on that limb against a, a team that I think is quality. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, it's going to be a tough game, but like, there's there's ways to see improvement without winning the game. And obviously, you want to win. You want to play to win games. It's not just to go out and have fun. But um, you'll be able to tell a lot about this team, I think, from how they play. If, if they can keep it tight and they can keep it a game in the fourth quarter, I think you got to feel really good about this team the rest of the year because this BYU team is going to be better than most of the teams they play in conference. So if you can hang with BYU and if you somehow beat them, you have to feel like you can beat almost everybody you play in the rest of the year. So that's a nice measuring stick in game one. Yeah. And, and to reiterate it, cause I know it's probably going to get beaten to, to death at this point from now until after the game, but the season's not made if you beat by BYU, but the season's not over if you lose to BYU either. You know, it's there's, there's 12 games to be played there's a lot that can happen between week one and week 12. So, you know, there's, there's no reason to, you know, unless it's an absolute shellacking, you know, to the tune of kind of how the last three FES openers have been, you know, I, I don't think that you need to abandon ship if they lose, you know, 35 to 21 or something like that. There's no, you know, there's no wherewithal to worry about it, especially because you are playing a very tough schedule this year. You know, and and hindsight is always 2020 on these things. When these games got scheduled, when USF was probably pretty, you know, up and good. You know, this this BYU home and home or home and home and home looked pretty good. Now it doesn't look so good because you sandwiched yourself between Florida and Louisville at the same time. So you know, that's you gotta you gotta take the lumps while you can, but. You can show a lot of improvement this game and this year, and those wins are still going to be kind of 
maybe not quite there. You know, you might be able to get like a 400 yard game and look really good and score 41 points, but fuck, you're playing Malik Cunningham and Louisville on the other side and they score 56. You, you got to be able to take the lumps while you can and, and hopefully, you know, battle testing yourself and in, in a tough, uh, you know, schedule like this you might be able to prepare yourself a little bit more for those in-conference schedules when that's what matters. Cause I think most USF fans, they'll take a, a, you know, a six and six year, you know, you start off the year one and three, but you rattle off five wins in conference against the teams that we have. If you close the year five and two, Hey, phenomenal, phenomenal year off the top. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't think I don't anticipate this being a Wisconsin or North Carolina State because I think both those teams had much better defenses than BYU does. Um, you saw the numbers from Parker; they were not great on defense last year. Wisconsin was really good on defense last year, last year for the most part, almost pretty elite. Uh, have one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, and North Carolina State was had some players on defense last year as well. And they they had a pretty good defense. So yeah. And then that Jonathan Taylor guy ended up being pretty good, huh? So it was all right. Yeah. (laughs) So that was a pretty, the man had never caught a receiving touchdown in his life, in his life, Seth. And he had two in that game. I don't know. He's also like the number one NFL fantasy player. So he's probably pretty good. And just think, and literally just think, so 29 uh, quick I remember walking I remember walking on the field and seeing their offensive line and going oh my lord yeah yeah that was <laughs> yeah, that was bad it was so oh my god it was so bad so was that was that your first first game, game. yeah oh man man throwing it to the fire there huh it was a cool I mean besides the result you know you get a national televised night game with a big big school coming in that's pretty cool um, uh, then, today's then actually then the, the anniversary of that game. Then the toe hit the leather, and then it wasn't as cool. After is it? That. Is it really? I think so. I, my uh, on my phone. It uh, actually no. It's probably some. It was probably yesterday because I, I got like a on this day three years ago, and I have a picture of. Uh, I think it was Antonio Greer getting stiff armed into the ground by Jonathan Taylor. Oh. Yeah, that makes you, sense. Um, join, the, join the club on that one. <laughs> right. Oh, no, it was today. It was today, three years ago. Hey, that's pretty good. How about that? Um, so, quick tangent about that 2019 game. And I think I discussed it. I've probably talked about it before, but I'll bring it up again for any new listeners. Um, so, that 2019 game versus Wisconsin was supposed to be played in Ireland as part of that the, the Ireland series. Like that was that was a thing that was going to happen, one hundred percent. Charlie Strong said no. He was like, "I'm not giving up a home game," which, well and good, that's fine. Sure. So I'm at uh, AAC Conference Media Days. It's the last year that they hold it um, in uh, Rhode Island, and this was at, I think this was. So it was after the 2018 season. I basically said my piece like Charlie Strong isn't this isn't the guy. You got to get rid of Sterling Gilbert. All this. He comes and sits down and eat, eats lunch with me uh, during media days. And this was right after I think it was right 
like two, two or three days after, like there was a huge story about how he was like selling his house or he bought a house or something like that. Something, something crazy, like just like it happened with Jeff Scott. It was like something like that that happened. And uh, we were just kind of we were just kind of shooting the shit. And I'll preface this by saying I love Charlie Strong, the person Charlie, Charlie Strong, the coach, a little sus. Uh, so he's we're just kind of talking, eating lunch, and he's like, I, I bring it up to him, I'm like, yeah, I heard you know the Wisconsin game was supposed to be in Ireland. What you know, kind of what happened with that? And he was telling me like, yeah, we're not. We're, I didn't want to send the kids over there. They're the food's terrible. They're going to eat like crap. Uh, they're not going to be prepared. The the time change, everything, just like going on and on this this list of things of why he didn't want the the game to be in ireland it flash forward to you know a month and a half later getting smacked 49 nothing i wish that game never happened in this country is <laughs> long story short the too long didn't read version of that was uh i wish the game had never happened in america yeah well. That'd have been a long. It'd have been tougher. Time. It would have been a lot tougher he, for you to cover that one. He could have been tarmac. Like if that if that happens in Ireland, he could, he could have been left at the border. You should like, but hey man, you should go check out the Guinness factory and then just hightail it to the airport without him. Get him out of there. <laughs> God, that would have been that would have been an ex- fucking experience for USF. Like just in itself, like. Yes, the, the 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 game against Wisconsin games, for lack of a better term, embarrassing. Probably closer there, right? I would probably imagine it almost would be worse. In fact, I was no, I, don't. I was just thinking USF is probably worse prepared to play in those conditions than Wisconsin would be. Here's here's my thing. I think USF, it's tougher on both teams, so it may USF have been. left two players at an airport in Houston. How many players do you think they leave internationally? <laughs> Blake Barnett probably doesn't come back. There's no way. There's no way every single person gets in, gets on the flight to Ireland that's supposed to, and then gets back. I'm, there's just no way that happens. Listen, I, I, I think it would have been worth it would have been worth the whole trip just for the content of uh, Kerwin in Ireland. Would, <laughs> oh, that, would have, that would have been great. I think yeah, every single member good. of our of KB, the, the podcast oh, KB in there. Ireland, that would have been great. Oh yeah. I'd still be selling the videos. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you guys about this. Uh, I was watching one of the you know, USF hype videos um, that they sent out, you know, game week, whatnot. I think it was Daniel DePrado who's hyping up his guys. And he goes, you are prefaces. He coach talking to his guys, getting them hyped up. He said, you are faster than any team you're going to play this year. Fact or fiction. <laughs> Are we? Mm, I don't. Are you, they're pretty. Don't they're pretty speedy this year. I think they're. I think their GPS might be a little bit, uh, a little bit running, a little bit hot. But if those numbers are correct, they, they might be. They got guys I, running twenty. When was, last, when was the last time that was calibrated? That's how you get it out of speeding tickets. They've got like five guys. They've got like five or six dudes running twenty twos. A guy running twenty three. If you if we didn't have Florida. On the schedule this year, I'd probably say so because I'm, I'm thinking in conference. I don't think there's anyone that's gonna be like even UCF. I, I don't think, think you look at the Florida. Te- yeah, you look at the Florida teams and Louisville's probably got some speed. Uh, yeah, if, if we're gonna look purely in conference, it's true. Probably, 
I think UCF is probably your closest second. Um, I, I know Devon Wilson is, is a pretty uh, speedy corner for them, but I think top to, if you chose like top five at USF and then top five, you know, from each team on the schedule. Eric, fuck I, off. <laughs> <laughs> you had a you had a sensitive subject there. Mm. I yeah, love I, you, but uh. I think it'll be I think it'll I think it might be close. Yeah, he's too small, so it doesn't count. He's too small. I think I think you could probably put Jimmy Horn, Brian Batie, Will Jones. Sincere Brown, Sincere Brown, uh, twenty three, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I think Matt Hill still has a bit of speed. I, I can't remember who else was in the top five there, but I think I think if you did like five versus five, I think you probably have faster. Uh, but I think if you did like one versus one, like top guy versus top guy, I, I think Houston and Cincinnati and UCF probably have someone a little bit faster. I just yeah, think they're probably I, a bigger drop off. I don't know how fast Florida is really. They. They're not like they don't have a lot of speed demons at receiver. That was kind of they Mullen likes to recruit big bodies. So oh, that's oh, oh. so they're not super fast. I don't think so that's kind of the, mentioned. That's not a good idea. <laughs> oh, man, that's <laughs> just you know, uh, it, it, some guys just like big, tall, stiff receivers that can't move. I don't know why some guys like it. Um, but I, I also I don't know how fast Florida is. I'm sure some of their DBs are pretty fast, and uh, Bowman was fast, but he's at UCF now. So yeah, they, I, I don't think the difference is gigantic, which is good. That's a step in the right direction. I think if you asked me in like 2019, I would have said, you know, there's there might have been some substances involved before that statement was made. <laughs> Yeah, I think they may have been hitting up Fernando uh, Tatis for that. Um, but, I mean, in 2019, Kerwin Bell said, I had faster guys at Valdosta State, so I don't like like that was spoken out loud by the offensive coordinator. Um, yeah, I, just, I, I saw that. I was like, man, that really kind of caught my attention there. Uh, that was um, that was a little shocking. Um, now I, I want to touch on this briefly, Seth. I know you've had some departures and some some unfortunate injury luck uh, before. Oh no! <laughs> before oh, no. the season before the season's even started. Um, yes. Do you do you happen to have the uh, the roster by chance? I know yeah, I pinned me, it in the me, podcast, me, like a find it here. page. Yeah, I've got it. Somewhere. So it's uh, week one of the uh, Bloom Naughty Podcast Fantasy Football League. Um, I will <laughs> say I'm I'm probably sitting pretty uh, for for the season for this week uh, with Kerry Bohannon winning the quarterback job. Um, it seems, one. yeah, it's it seems uh, unlikely that Steeg's uh, stealthy pick. <laughs> Of Jordan Smith is going to get any run, unless we've unless you're hearing that there may actually be uh, some some gadget plays for him that you're Listen, just keeping I, it a secret. I finally got the answer from one of the four people that I messaged about Jordan Smith. Um, I'm less hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yes, Erica. I, for some stupid reason, I agree to that. Ugh. QB points don't count if they lose. That was <laughs> that was stupid. That was that was a it's dumbass. So, what a so dumbass. Dumb. What a dumbass. It, it at least is going to them. even the playing field for the entire season. Like. Well, I mean, it's not. So, <laughs> so we may. <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> oh man. Um. So, oh, and Stig is dealing with a. a I don't know if it's technically injury related, but Yusuf Terry will not be playing in week one. Right. Um, but I mean, I feel pretty good. I mean, I, I, we still got a lot of points on the board. Um, you know, I, I will say two things about my, my selections here. Um, the first one is the good one. I know I teetered between Rashawn Yates and Clyde Pinder for a little bit there. <laughs> I'm really glad my gut decision <laughs> told me to take uh, the guy that's been on the team for a little bit. And it's actually a uh, God of class. Um <laughs> But the uh, the Chris Matillo, um, I have seen uh, some inklings that he might uh, he might just be a blocking tight end. So uh, I yeah, that, was, that one pretty good. The, those were the inklings when he when he transferred when he when he, when he transferred. You got you know, caught up all in the hair, and I said big, we smart need guy. more handsome tight ends. He's smart. He's he's attractive. Yeah. He probably has two hands. He'll probably catch a pass at some point. So, yeah, I feel pretty good with uh, I feel pretty good at receiver. Uh, yeah. Choffrey Brown is uh, he said he's running with the ones and it was running with Yusef Terry. So if Yusef Terry's out. I got two. I think I might have two of the three starting receivers. So that's pretty good. That'll be something. Um, yeah. I, you know, I hopefully Latrell's back to like 100 percent ish soon ish and, and maybe now ish because uh I drafted under the pretense that I would get points all the time. So this is, it's, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> yeah. it kind of threw a wrench into my game plan here, uh, but I, I still like it. Um, but uh, so of the guys on the list who, uh, Seth, one guy on your team um, that you're, you're most excited about who could be, if, you know, all things being equal, take out quarterback, who's mm-hmm. the guy that, you think could lead you to a victory or a high scoring week? Who do you think is going to be your top performer this week? Listen, we, we, he's the team captain. We named the team after him. It's Jimmy Horn leader of the horn dogs. So I, that's, that's the guy. I mean, the team was named after him, even though he wasn't my first pick, he, he's the guy I wanted. Um, so I think if he has a big game, we've got a shot. Um, unfortunately, but fortunately, if they win, then we probably don't have a shot. But uh, Jimmy Horn, I think, is a, is a difference maker against anybody. So he's always going to be my pick to be a guy to watch for. If they can get him the ball in a bunch of different ways. He'll he'll make something happen with it. So he's he's my pick. He's he's my number one guy there. Perfect. And Steve, for your team, uh, you know, outside of Yusuf Terry being out, I think you still have all of your options. Uh, who do you think? If you if you pull something, pull a rabbit out of your hat, man, who's who's the guy that's going to be the top performer for you? I mean, we we gave him the nickname this last year because by God, if he can't uh, you know rep- replicate it this year, I'd be pretty upset. Jaron Mangum, um, you know, is, is obviously going to be your your running back one. You've got a stacked running back room this year, one way or another. A little less stacked and, now, and you have well, yeah, a little less stacked, but and you, you do have uh, at least somewhat of a comparable running back, at least a little bit with uh, Jason Albritton. 
um, as kind of your bowling ball back. Uh, if you're in a, you know, third down and a third down and goal at the one yard line situation, you know, you might have a true freshman Jason Albright going out there uh, instead. But he's not. St- he's not. Man, he's not taking us. I was about to say. No, do you think? That, I was about, <laughs> I was about to you're say. Against, against Howard. You do we really high. think that is going to happen? Absolutely nah. not. No. No. Nah, but a, in the future, he, he is a fun. He is a fun camp story. Like Alex Muck getting the starting job, uh, coming out of camp in 2016. It's going to be all nah. Mangum style. Yeah, but uh, it's it's gonna be Jeremy. I mean, he's he's running back one for a reason. He is probably gonna get a majority of the touches this year, at least as far as uh, running plays goes. I think they'll probably use Brian Matee in more uh, hybrid style of uh, of usage there. So you know, if, if there is if there is a god up in the sky and he says he wants to bless me, he will give Jared Mangum every single touchdown on Saturday. Okay. Well, a, a Joe, a Joe has had a really good camp too, supposedly. So, and he he could be coming in here and just grab like all the touchdowns with his guys. I could. And, then, and a Joe, a Joe yeah. is. I think Jeff Scott mentioned that he he's been the weirdly like kind of very improved from spring to fall. Yeah, I think it's how because I think someone had mentioned it at least on Twitter that there was a time during the spring game that he kind of alligator armed a uh, a pass over the middle, kind of was going to go for it, but. He could have seen it a bit. Yeah, I could have seen it, but um, you know that 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 caused a little bit of concern. But you know, from from the improvement from spring to to fall, he was kind of mentioned there. So you know, he could be your uh, your 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 difference maker at some point in a game or two. He he creates a big mismatch for some defenses. Absolutely, I think my my choice is Brian Batie, and it's probably not close. He's going to touch the ball in you know three different areas of of the game. He'll he'll get some carries. I think he'll catch some balls out of the backfield. Plus yeah, I, I think BYU may be stupid enough to, to kick the ball to him once or twice and then kind of forget about it. Um, I think he's my option at close second with Xavier Weaver. Cause I think he'll get a lot of run as well. Um, and I think he may be the punt returner uh, as well. So uh, different you, passes, but I think my, my go-to is uh, Brian Petit. You think they put Jimmy back there with Petit? He was last year, wasn't he? Yeah, I think oh, so. Oh yeah. They've been preparing for that. They you they mentioned it. Now. I think uh, Jimmy mentioned it in one of the the things that like he's gonna or one of the two mentioned that like Jimmy's probably gonna get more touches this year unless something miraculous happens. He's got to hold on kick. to the ball. Yeah, that was he his issue. On, that that was his issue on kickoff returns last year. He's ready. We've been. Talking I hope about so. Him. Yeah, been talking, talking about him up for sure. We've been making him carry a ball to class. All right. Um, let's let's wrap up football, and we'll. Uh, I just want to kind of touch on the Russ Chua, uh situation, kind of going on right now. Um, let's get our predictions. Uh, you know, it's always fun. I think we did a we did a pretty decent job last season. Um, we'll just kind of Who's go we? around. Well, I mean, <laughs> me, me and Nate. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> Seth and I did pretty good. Um, there you go. I think we only missed the ECU game, maybe. Yeah, and we were we got really really close on scores as well. So that uh, and the uh, the Tulane game too. But oh yeah, no that one. was a bad one. That was brutal. No one showed up for that game, so doesn't count. Oh, yeah. Um, but let's start with Steve. Let's 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 do it. Give me give me who's gonna win and give me the score. <sighs> and we'll keep track all Fuck. season long. And uh, you know the, the loser will have to eat. If you have, if, oh yeah! If, if you guys have predictions, put them in the old chat here. 
Eric, 35, 31 bulls. Don't let that do you want to do you want to talk about that spicy thing or we were going to wait till the end on that? Yeah, we'll wait to the end. Okay. Um, I, I, I want to believe I, I watched a lot of Ted Lasso. I want to believe by God, I, I love what, what Jeff Scott did this off season. I, I love, I, I feel like USF made a bigger jump to be competitive this year. And I think BYU took a, a nominal step up as well to, to inject some talent on their side as well. And I really want to believe, and they have given us no reason to believe in any FBS opener, you know, last year and, and looking at everything else that happened over the last couple of years, everything points to uh, BYU uh, handed victory here, but I'm stupid. I am the stupid one. I'm going to go with a 38, 36 USF victory. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, Seth, what, what you got? Yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to get close to Stieg in terms of uh, the first number. I think it's going to be BYU 38, and we'll say uh, USF 24. That's where I'm leaning right now. I just think that offensive line and that run game is going to be difficult to stop. Uh, I think the USF offense will be improved, but uh, BYU might build up a pretty good lead and sit on on the – So Seth thinks BYU wins outright and covers. I got to be consistent. Take the money. Look at you. Um, and 38 looks good, man. Um, Hector, I am going to do 45 27 BYU. I think the Bulls offense shows signs of life. I think, uh, Seth, as you mentioned, that offensive line for BYU is just a little too much for the the revamped defensive line to handle. I just said they don't have the horses yet. They're not they're they're not ready for this kind of offensive line. Uh it's in no way an indication of what will happen in the future and during the season, but as of right now, they are not talented enough until proven otherwise. But they scored points for the first time in an FBS opener since the fourth quarter of the 2018 Georgia Tech game. So that's a win. win. That's a win. There you go. Okay. So now that the predictions are out of the way, I wanted to briefly touch on uh, the Rush Chua situation, which is weird, uh, probably to say the least. Um, Let me me pull something up real quick. Uh, So I got tipped off probably like a month ago, but maybe less than a month ago, about 25 days ago or so that he was stuck overseas in Cameroon. Um, And they, they took his passport and they're not letting him leave. Uh, USF, the state department at USF is doing everything they can to get Russ back on campus. Um, And 
they're just in this kind of weird purgatory. It wasn't, he wasn't flagged by Cameroon. It was flagged by the United States on the way back. He's done this trip already. Uh, I think Brian Gregory talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I think it was in 2021, he did the, the exact same process to get over there to see his, see his family. And then he got back for last season and then he was doing the exact same thing this year, same exact paperwork, everything. But for some reason it got, flagged and there's there's no rhyme or reason to it they're kind of just in this purgatory uh kind of mess of just roll of the dice it, it's it really seems like i know russ uh put out uh, a video i think that usf posted basically saying i, I if help me get home kind of thing help me get back to the states he's he's trying to do the online he's taking classes online right now He's scheduled to graduate in December. He wanted to get started on his master's degree. And it's just kind of on hold. He's said, you know, it's tough. The the time differences, uh, the spotty Wi-Fi internet connection. Lord help me. I know what he's talking about there. And I'm and I'm stateside. Uh, so it just kind of that's where we're at right now. There, I haven't heard anything uh to suggest that it's being resolved in a timely manner or that it's going to be resolved soon but that's where we're at uh usf starting center is stuck in cameroon as uh fall classes have started there you have it at what at what points does it become almost untenable not untenable i guess but where it becomes kind of a moot point in terms of playing this year like how far into the semester can well, since he's taking class, since he's oh, taking, he taking class, online, he's ta- yeah, he's taking oh, it online. Okay. So he's still kind of doing it. Okay. Um, but it's just, I mean, you know, being here is helpful. The, the food, the nutrition, the coaching, yeah. the, the everything is just kind of on hold. He's just, he's now kind of on his own to make sure he's staying in shape. And, you know, he's a big dude. He's what, seven, one, seven, two. <clears throat> I mean, you, you can, you can pack on the pounds pretty quick when you're that big just not being in a structured environment um, that you are playing basketball. So it's, it's tough. Um, thoughts are with him um, as he tries to get back stateside to uh, compete. I think the team's going to be a lot better this year. They're, I mean, they're not going to be great, but I think they will be a lot. I mean, you can't be as bad as you were last year, I guess. Just make threes. I don't a guy to do that. Don't challenge Pretty good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you. Um, but that's it for this edition of the Bluminati podcast. Uh, we'll be sure to uh, post the GoFundMe um, for uh, Nina Pogge's, uh family as they kind of go through the funeral process. Um, I We've shared it on Twitter already uh, from the Daily Stampede account at Stampede SBM. Um, our thoughts are with her family. Um, I mean, she was, she had sent out wedding invitations, uh, just a, a whole, whole thing. Um, just, uh, it's okay to not be okay. And please talk to someone. If, if you're, if you're feeling depressed or having suicidal thoughts, please call the nine eight eight number, talk to someone, get help. You are not alone in this. I promise you that, um, for Steve, Seth, I'm Nathan signing off. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.